Amen. Let the church say amen. 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 It is certainly good to be in the house of the Lord. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And I wonder, is there anybody that's just glad to be in God's house today? Amen. It is good to be in the house of God. And I'm so grateful to be with you all this morning. My name is uh, Charles Walter. I bring you greetings from Second uh, Baptist Church. Uh, we're on South 18th Street, across the street from Edgelia Elementary School, about four blocks down from Jeff's High School. So we bring you greetings. Pastor Daniel is over at our church uh, preaching this morning, and we decided to kind of swap out. So it's so great uh, to be with you all on this morning. Uh, I want to thank my praise team as well. Thank you and our music ministry. Thank you all so, so much for following us and coming through today. I want to give a special thanks to uh, Pastor Barry, uh, a good friend of mine. We've been able to go to lunch a number of times and just have some really good discussions. I think we did a, a podcast, a panel a couple years ago uh, on race uh, relations. And so it is just good to have him as a friend, a brother in Christ and a co-laborer uh, with Christ. And so uh, I appreciate uh, knowing him and all that he means to the body of Christ. With no further ado, I want to uh, move quickly into our text. Before we go to the text, I want to look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this privilege to be able to come before your presence and make our requests known unto you. And I just pray now that you speak through me, Lord, that you move me out of the way so that your people will not hear Charles, but that they will hear a clear word from you. I pray that you convict those who need to be convicted, encourage those who need to be encouraged, challenge those who need to be challenged. I pray that your word doesn't come back void, but it accomplishes what it is you want to accomplish. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 If you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me to Acts chapter 28, Acts chapter number 28. And I want us to look at the first six verses of Acts chapter 28. And I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. It says, now when they had escaped, they found out that the island was called Malta. And the natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time, they saw no harm come to him, and they changed their minds and said he was a God. I want to talk for a few moments from this thought. Uh, beware of the snakes. Beware of the snakes. A few years ago, I remember seeing a trailer for the movie called Snakes on a Plane. And while I watched that trailer, I noticed that there were snakes that were attacking the passengers. And even at 30,000 feet in the air, these snakes were in attack mode. Now, the reason this surprised me is because I'm used to only seeing snakes attack at ground level. 
But what the movie Snakes on a Plane let me know is that no matter how high up you go, there will always be snakes trying to bring you down. It doesn't matter if you're a cashier at McDonald's or the CEO of a Fortune 500 corporation, you will always have someone trying to attack you. Y'all, there will always be someone trying to make you feel insecure or inadequate. There will always be someone who gossips about you all morning and then turns around and invites you to lunch at noon. There will always be someone who says, your man ain't no good, all the while trying to get his cell number. Because no matter where you are in life, there will always be snakes trying to attack you in order to steal your joy. And what I find, what I find interesting is that there are snakes at every level and stage of life. I mean, if you go to your job, you'll find some snakes up in there. If you go off to college, you'll find some snakes there. If you come to church, you'll find some snakes there too because snakes have a unique way of popping up in places where you least expect. And it's no surprise that the devil is represented as a snake in the Bible. We see this clearly in Genesis chapter 3 when the devil appeared to Eve in the form of a serpent and he tempted her to sin against God. Even in the book of Revelation, Satan is called the serpent of old. Understand this, the devil and his demonic hosts are spirits. Therefore, in order, in order for them to manifest themselves physically, they need a body. So in Paul's case, he appeared as a snake. But for us, he may not appear as a snake. He may appear as a seductive woman. He may appear as a shady supervisor. He may appear as a spiteful sibling. Be on high alert because the devil wants to harm us by any means necessary. And oftentimes he will attack us when we're most vulnerable in order to catch us off guard. And I'm talking to somebody right now. You know what it's like to be caught off guard. Let's be honest. You normally wouldn't take his call at 1 a.m. in the morning, but you got caught off guard. You normally would pray for your enemies, but this time you decided to key up their car. Why? Because you got caught off guard. And that's exactly what the enemy wants us to do. He loves it when the people of God go out into the world and start acting like Satan Jr. That's why it's important to remember Ephesians 6 and 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world. You see, oftentimes we think that when someone hurts us, that when someone wrongs us, that our fight is against them. But the Bible lets us know that in most cases, our fight is not with the person, but it's with a principality. Our fight is not with a person, but it's with the evil spirit that is operating behind that person. And these evil spirits would love nothing more than to see you as a Christian live a defeated life. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Y'all, the thief that Jesus is referring to is Satan and his demonic spirits. In other words, they want to steal your joy. They want to kill your dreams, your goals, and your aspirations. They want to destroy your relationship with God as well as diminish your testimony among non-believers. And the sad reality is that oftentimes they will use people or things to come against you in order to get you out of your Christian character. Let's be honest. If you would have been bitten by that poisonous snake, some of you would have gotten all the way out of your Christian character. Some of you would have cursed for 30 minutes straight. Some of you would have criticized God for allowing you to get bitten. Some of you would have consumed a fifth of gin. 
talking about if I'm going out, at least I'm going out feeling good. <laughs> That's exactly what the enemy wants us to do. He wants you to get bitten so hard by life that you abandon your Christian values and revert back to your old way of thinking. But God wants me to let you know that in this life, you will be bitten. Some of you will be bitten by burdens. Others of you will be bitten by bad news. Others of you will be bitten by backstabbers. But don't allow their bite to make you bitter. Don't allow that bite to cause you to waver in your trust and confidence in God. Instead, remember that all things work together for the good of them who love God and are called according to his purpose. As we look at this text, we find the Apostle Paul being bitten by a snake, but he didn't allow that bite to affect his character, his calling or his conviction. Now, in order to appreciate this text, it's important to discuss what led up to this incident. You see, the background of this passage begins with the Apostle Paul being held in a witness protection program. In Acts chapter 23, the Roman government had to literally send a small army of soldiers to protect Paul from the Jews in Jerusalem who were seeking to take his life. Y'all, the Jews were so mad at Paul for preaching the gospel of Jesus that 40 men swore on oath that they would neither eat nor drink anything until they had assassinated Paul. The commander of the army got wind of this assassination attempt. And he sent a small band of soldiers to take Paul to the region of Caesarea. Paul remained on house arrest in Caesarea for a number of years until he appealed to have his case tried before Caesar in Rome. Paul was then taken by ship from Caesarea with the hopes of making it to Rome. However, tumultuous weather caused Paul, along with 276 other passengers, to make a crash landing on the island of Malta. And I like how verse one starts off because it says, now when they had escaped. Now that phrase may not sound like much to you because maybe you haven't gone through anything, but those on this ship went through a shortage of food. Those on this ship went through a devastating storm. Those on this ship went through a loss of personal belongings. Those on this ship went through a breakdown of their transportation. All of this is in chapter 27. Yet chapter 28 opens by saying now when they had escaped. Oh, somebody missed a good place to give God praise because some of you have had a chapter 27 experience. You know what it's like to have a shortage of resources. You know what it's like to go through one storm after the next. You know what it's like to have unreliable transportation. But the good news for about 35 of you is that God allowed you to escape it. And I wonder, am I talking to any escapees this morning who can testify that you were in a bad spot in life, but God allowed you to escape it? Some of you escaped poverty and lack. Some of you escaped a violent upbringing. Some of you escaped a high crime neighborhood. Some of you escaped drug addiction. Some of you escaped a terrible, toxic, and traumatic relationship. And you didn't escape it because of how good you were. You didn't escape it because of how many times you came to church. But you escaped it because of the grace and mercy of God that was on your life. How do I know? Most of the people who escaped this storm, they were prisoners of Rome. Don't miss this. Most of them had run-ins with the law. Most of them had misdemeanors and felonies. Most of them had a long rap sheet. And yet God spared them for the sake of Paul. You see, according to Acts chapter 27, verse 43, if it wasn't for Paul, every prisoner would have been put to death. But because these prisoners were connected to Paul and Paul was connected to God, 
they were able to escape their predicament. Listen, the reason why some of you were able to escape your storm is not because of anything you did, but it's because you were connected to the right person. Some of you were connected to a praying mother. Some of you were connected to a praying grandmother. Some of you were connected to a praying father. And the reason you were able to escape some of the negative stuff of your past is because you were connected to the right person. As a matter of fact, the reason why some of you are in God's house and not the jailhouse is because you were connected to the right person. The reason why some of you are in God's house and not the halfway house is because you were connected to the right person. No, the reason why some of you are in God's house and not the dope house is because you were connected to the right person. Y'all hear Paul is. He's stranded on this island and the Bible says in verse 2 that the natives showed them unusual kindness. Now the word unusual means something that is not commonly done. In other words, these natives that Paul and the gang rode up on were not known for being hospitable. They were not known for being welcoming and friendly. As a matter of fact, they may have even had a reputation of being mean and malicious. But how many of you know that when God's favor is on your life, he can cause people who are normally mean to others to turn around and bless you? I mean, have you ever gone somewhere and everyone was talking about how mean or disrespectful a person was? But when you met them, they were cool as a fan. When you met them, they were down to earth. They were nothing like they were portrayed. Why? Maybe it's because God calls them to be favorable toward you. And I'm here to let you know that when you remain connected to God through obedience, God can raise up people who will show you unusual kindness. When you're unemployed, God can call somebody to be kind enough to turn your resume into HR. When your car is in the shop, God can call someone to be kind enough to pick you up and bring you to church. When you dig into your pocket and come up with nothing but lint, God can call somebody to be kind enough to gift you some money until payday. Listen, when the favor of God is on your life, he can cause people to show you unusual kindness. So here Paul is, he's shipwrecked, he's cold, he's wet, and the fire is getting weaker by the minute. Therefore, Paul goes and he grabs a bundle of sticks and he throws them into the fire. But little did Paul know there was a snake around the fire pit. And the Bible says in verse three that the heat from the fire caused the snake to pop out and fasten to Paul's hand. In a real sense, this was an unforeseen attack. If you're taking notes, that's my first point. This was an unforeseen attack. Y'all, this snake seems to literally come out of nowhere in order to attack Paul. There was no hiss. There was no rattle. There was no sort of heads up to alert Paul of danger. Because how many of you know that the devil will send problems or people to attack you suddenly? Have you ever had a problem to hit you suddenly? I mean, you were in a season where you were enjoying life and suddenly the diagnosis came. Suddenly your child was arrested. Suddenly your transmission went out. Suddenly problems, pressures, and pain arose in your life. Be ready because the enemy knows how to send unforeseen problems your way. But not only will he send difficult problems, he will also send devilish people. I mean, you didn't even know they were mad at you until they started talking about you behind your back. I'm talking about people you never really had a conversation with, acting like they can't stand you. Listen, the devil knows how to get under your skin and he will send people your way to slander your name, 
to question your motives, to attack your work ethic. And here's what's crazy. You still don't know what you did to them. And let's be honest, there's a tendency to want to get even with people when they wrong us in some way. That's when we want to quote the Old Testament. Eye for an eye, two for two. We want to be like that woman who went to the store to make a purchase. After bagging her items, the cashier asked her, cash, check, or charge? And as the woman fumbled through her wallet, the cashier noticed a TV remote in her purse. And she asked the woman, do you always carry a TV remote in your purse? No, she replied, but my husband refused to come shopping with me. So this is my way of getting back at him. Now, ladies, I hope I'm not giving you any ideas this morning. <laughs> but that's often our mentality when someone wrongs us. We want them to agonize as a result of what they've done to us. But I'm here to let you know that instead of trying to get back and fight back, we ought to sit back and allow God to fight our battles. Why? Because God can handle our battles better than we can. How do I know? The Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, and I will repay. Listen, you don't have to repay anybody for what, what they have done to you. You just turn them over to the Lord. You don't have to go up to their job with a hoodie on trying to fight them. You don't have to put cherry coke down their gas tank. You don't have to uh, prank call their phone. No, turn them over to the Lord and allow God to handle them in his own way, in his own timing. Can I get a witness in here? Listen, not only, will the, not only will the enemy send an unforeseen attack, but number two, if you're taking notes, he will send an unprovoked attack. It's in the text. An unprovoked attack is an attack in which you did not initiate. You see, I could understand if Paul saw a snake and he attempted to kill the snake uh, uh, <clears throat> and then he got bitten in that process. But this snake was unprovoked. Paul wasn't even bothering it, but it still attacked him. Listen, you don't have to bother the devil in order for him to attack you. He'll attack you simply because of who your father is. And if God is your heavenly father, you've become a candidate for a snake bite. You don't believe me? Why didn't anybody else get bit? Think about it. None of the natives got bit. None of the prisoners got bit. None of the Roman guard got bit. Only Paul, the Christian in the group, was attacked. Why? Because the enemy wanted to take Paul out before he could do any more damage to his kingdom. You see, he knew that Paul had supernatural power inside of him. And if he were to live, there's no telling what mighty things he could do for God. Don't miss this. If Paul would have been killed right here, we would have never gotten the prison epistles of Ephesians, Philippians and Colossians. If Paul would have been killed by this snake, we would have never heard Philippians 4 and 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We would have never heard Ephesians 2 and 8. For by grace, you've been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. If Paul would have been killed by this snake, we would have never heard Philippians 4 and 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Y'all, I understand why the devil wanted to take Paul out, because he knew that Paul had potential to damage and disrupt his kingdom. Understand this, some of the problems that are happening in your life are a result of the enemy trying to deter you. You see, the devil wants to send an attack in your life that is so strong that it will deter you from coming to church, 
that it will deter you from serving in ministry, that it will deter you from sharing your faith because he knows that there's potential in you. He knows there's supernatural power inside of you. He knows that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And he wants to deter you in order to keep you from advancing in your faith because he knows that a strong you will disrupt his agenda. A strong you will invite your neighbors to church. A strong you will testify about the goodness of Jesus. A strong you will stand on biblical principles no matter what Hollywood does, no matter what Disney does, or no matter what society does. And that's why Satan is sending snake bites and problems in your life. He's hoping those problems will discourage you to the point where you remain on the sideline and do nothing for the kingdom of God. But I dropped by to let somebody know, keep on walking with Jesus. Trials are going to come, but keep on walking with Jesus. Troubles are going to come, but keep on walking with Jesus. Because the fact of the matter is this, you're not walking by yourself. Jesus is right there with you. And he can provide, protect, and preserve you in the midst of what you're going through. That's why the old saints could sing, I feel like going on. And then they would say it again, I feel like going on. Though trials may come on every hand, I feel like going on. Oh, that ought to be somebody's mantra this morning. That ought to be somebody's anthem this morning. I feel like going on. I may have to downsize, but I'm going on. I may have pain in my body, but I'm going on. I may be heartbroken over the death of a loved one, but I'm going on because God has been too good to me for me to turn my back on him. And I wonder, is there anybody up in here who can testify that God has been good to you? Anybody can testify God has been good to you? If he woke you up this morning, he's been good to you. If he started you on your way, he's been good to you. If you still know your first and last name, he's been good to you. If somebody ought to thank God for his goodness, amen. Listen, not only will the enemy send an unforeseen attack, not only will he send an unprovoked attack, but lastly, he will experience an unsuccessful attack. It's in the text. Look at verse number four. Watch what it says. It says, so when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer whom though he escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up and suddenly fall down dead. But after they looked for a long time, they saw no harm come to him, and they changed their mind and said that he was a god. Here these natives are, and they see Paul in chains. They see him get bitten, and they assume that this attack was the result of something that he had done in the past. According to verse 4, they said to one another, well, he must have been a murderer. Listen, they made the same type of false assumptions that many of us make because some of us see somebody going through a difficult season in life and we assume that they're going through it because of something they've done wrong. And that's why when people are going through a storm, they tend to keep it to themselves. Why? Because they don't want folks to start psychoanalyzing their suffering. I mean, let them get COVID and somebody will say, see, I told you God don't like ugly. Let them get laid off from their job. And somebody will say, mm, he must have been up there flirting with the women. Let them fall on hard times. And somebody will say, I wonder what she's done now. I always say you reap what you sow. 
Y'all, we've got to get beyond this belief that people are going through trials because of some lie they told or because they stole something from CBS when they were 18. Hear me clearly. Only God is qualified to know why people are going through adversity. And let me talk to any super spiritual saints who might be in the building this morning. You who are always trying to discern what's going on in somebody else's life. Learn how to get your own life together. How is it that God has spoken to you about my life, but he ain't spoke to you about smoking cigarettes? How is it that God has spoke to you about my life, but he ain't spoke to you about gossiping in the church? Learn how to get yourself together. Stop trying to take the splinter out of your brother's eye when you got a big old long log in your own eye. That's what Jesus said. I'm reminded of the time that, that in John chapter 9, when Jesus was walking with his disciples, they encountered a man who was born blind. The disciples asked him, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the work of God should be revealed in him. Don't miss this. Jesus said the only reason he was going through this ordeal was so that God would get the glory once he was healed. And I'm talking to somebody right now, and you're going through a storm. And God allowed that storm, perhaps not to discipline you, perhaps not even to develop you, but rather to display you. Sometimes God would do you like Paul and put your distress on public display. Why? So that when he delivers you, the people will have to confess that nobody but God could have done that. Nobody but God could have healed that type of cancer. Nobody but God could have restored that broken marriage. Nobody but God could have given you a job when the company was on a hiring freeze. Somebody ought to thank God for doing for you what nobody else could have done. Nobody else could have saved you. Nobody else could have brought you out. Nobody else could have opened that door for you. Nobody else could have given you peace. Somebody ought to just take a moment and thank God for doing for you what nobody else could have done. Listen, there are times when God will put your distress on public display. And it can be difficult when everybody knows your issues. It can be difficult when everybody knows your financial problems. And I hate to bust your bubble, but the sad reality is that there are people, yes, some even in the church, who are waiting on your downfall, who are waiting for you to fall apart because they don't believe you can come back from this. They don't believe you can make a full recovery. They don't believe you can survive this sort of attack. And they're looking at you and looking at their watch. They're looking at you and looking at their watch. They're looking at you and looking at their watch because they're thinking to themselves, by now, you should be showing some symptoms. By now, you should be throwing a pity party. By now, you should be going cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. But you ought to serve notice on every critic and tell them, keep on looking because I'm still alive. Oh, I know this is not for everybody, but I know there's a remnant of people in here who can testify that I should have been dead, but I'm still alive. The streets should have killed me, but I'm still alive. Drugs should have taken me out, but I'm still alive. The accident should have led to my demise, but I'm still alive. COVID-19 should have ended my life, but I'm still alive. And I wish I could get about five of you who could just shout real quick, I'm still alive. I'm still alive. I'm still alive. I'm still alive. No weapon formed against me shall be able to prosper. I'm still alive. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers 
them, I'm still alive. Thou, he, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Why? Because I'm still alive. Y'all don't know about you, but I'm glad that I'm still alive. So here Paul is. He's been bitten by a snake. And y'all, this wasn't, this wasn't no garden snake. Paul was bitten by a poisonous snake with deadly venom. And what makes me know that the devil was behind this snake attack is because usually when a snake attacks a human, it will strike and move away. You know, when a, when a snake attacks a human, it, it'll strike real quick and move away. But, but not this snake. This snake struck Paul's hand and it held on for dear life. Listen, when the devil tries to attack you, he will always hold on to you. He wants to hold on to your mind because he knows that if he can control your mind, he can control your behavior. And if he controls your behavior, then your testimony will have no power behind it. And I'm talking to somebody right now, and you know that Satan has been holding on to you for a long time. And perhaps you're saying to yourself, enough is enough. It is time for me to break free from this. Perhaps you want to break free from an unhealthy relationship, but it keeps holding you. Perhaps you want to break free from some lingering addiction, but it keeps holding you. And I know you've prayed about it. I know you fasted over it, but God tell me to, told me to let you know that it's time for you to do like Paul and just shake it off. You've got to shake it off and walk away from it. Stop carrying that snake around and shake it off. If you know that relationship is no good for you, shake it off. If you know getting high is not pleasing to God, shake it off. If you know that website is full of lustful images, shake it off. As a matter of fact, you ought to serve notice on every demonic spirit and say, today is the last day you're going to hold on to me. You ought to shake off everything that is trying to keep you from your purpose. In this season of your life, you ought to shake off every hater. You ought to shake off every leech. You ought to shake off every manipulator. You ought to shake off every fake friend. You ought to shake off every promiscuous roommate. If they're not adding value to your life, you ought to shake it off and walk away from it. Yeah. Amen. Yo, I like Paul because he shook the snake off and then he placed it in the fire. Let me ask you this this morning. What is it that you need to place in the fire today? Perhaps it's a phone number that you need to place in the fire. Because every time that person calls you, you come running. When you come running, you, you find yourself doing something you know you had no business doing. You might need to place that number in the fire. Maybe you need to place that book, that novel, that magazine in the fire. Maybe you need to place that bottle of liquor in the fire. You know that E&J, that Alizé, that Tangeray. You need to place it in the fire because it is keeping you in, from, from advancing in your relationship with God. And I know, I, and I don't know what you need to place in the fire this morning. Hear me clearly. But whatever it is, do it today so that God can get the glory out of your life. I'm done, but I want you to understand that the Bible says in verse 3 that the poisonous snake fastened to Paul's hand. In other words, it clung to his hand, but the venom didn't kill him. Why? Because Paul was fastened to the hand of God. Y'all missed it. The snake fastened to Paul's hand, but Paul was fastened to God's hand. And because Paul was fastened to the hand of God, he wasn't worried about the snake, the bite, or the venom. 
You see, Paul realized that the same God who healed him when he was whipped and beaten, the same God that, that, that opened prison doors when he was in a Philippian jail, the same God who raised him up when he was stoned and left for dead at Lystra, the same God who protected him when assassins were attempting to take his life is the same God who can take care of him right now. And somebody needs to understand that God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And if he did it for you in the past, he can do it for you in the present. Oh yeah, the devil wants to make you think that God has run out of power, but I'm here to let you know that there's no expiration date on the power of God. If he came through for you in 2014, if he opened a door for you in 2017, if he turned things around for you in 2019, the same God that did it back then, he is able to do it right now. Can I get a witness in here? Listen. The enemy may try to knock you down, but God will give you the power to get back up again. I'm reminded of a video that I was watching on YouTube last year. And this video was crazy. It was disturbing, actually, because there was a police officer who was being chased by a criminal. And he was being chased. So the police officer turned around and he fired one shot at the guy. And the man fell to the ground. And I thought that was going to be the end of it. But the man got up and started chasing the police officer again. It was the craziest thing. So the police officer shot the man again. The man fell to the ground a second time. He got back up and started chasing the officer again. That's when the video cut off. So I don't know what happened. I don't know if the police officer killed him. I don't know if the man got to the police officer. But when I looked in the comments on YouTube, I started, because I wanted to see what people were saying about the shooting. And multiple people commented that the man must be on the drug PCP. Because they said only PCP can cause somebody to go through all of that and still get back up again. And I started to respond in the comments and say, I don't know about PCP, but I do know about G-O-D. And if you got God in your system, you may get knocked down, you may fall down, but you won't stay down because God will give you the power to get back up again. And that's my word for somebody this morning. You may get knocked down by life, you may get knocked down by situations, but as long as you've got God in your life, he will give you the power to get back up again. Listen, this entire message can be summed up in these four statements. If you're taking notes, I'm done. The devil will bring a spiritual attack upon your life. When he brings this spiritual attack upon your life, you need to do these four things. Number one, you need to resist the urge to retaliate against people. You got to resist the urge to retaliate. I know you want to give back. I know you want to see them bleed like, they, like you bled. But listen, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, and I will repay. Resist the urge to retaliate against people. Two, remain with Jesus no matter the problem. The devil wants you to turn away from the things of God and your calling. But you got to make up in your mind that I'm sticking with Jesus. I'm not turning away from the church. I'm not turning away from my faith. And I'm not turning away from my calling. Remain with Jesus no matter the problem. Three, release anything that is keeping you from your purpose. I don't care if it's your best friend. I don't care if it's your play cousin. If they're stopping you from growing in your walk with God, you might want to just tell them, listen, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. But we got to part ways because I can't have anybody in my life that is keeping me from my purpose. And then four, remember what God has done for you in the past and then allow that to strengthen your faith for the present. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, dear God, for all you do for us. Lord, we pray now 
that when, when we come up under attack from the enemy, and we, we know that we will, I'm praying, Father, that you give us the strength to shake off any adversity, any attack that the enemy wants to throw in our lives, Lord. I pray, Father, that you help us to not retaliate against people who come against us. Help us to realize that our battle is not against flesh and blood. Help us, Lord, to remain with you no matter the cost, that no matter what the problem is, help us to be anchored in your word. Help us, Heavenly Father, to release anything that is keeping us from your purpose, Lord, that is keeping us from growing in our relationship with you. And then, Lord, help us to remember that if you healed us in the past, if you worked things out for us in the past, you can do it right now. Lord, we love you. We thank you. If somebody here today doesn't know you as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray, Father, that you open their heart and mind so that they will receive Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. This is our prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you all.